Welcome to a new episode of Agent Provocateur. I'm Alan Walsh with uh, co-host Adam Wild. How are you, Adam? I'm great, Alan. How are you? <laughs> Doing great. Doing great. Really excited about our guest today. Um, our guest today is the first Australian to play in the NHL. He was born in Wales, uh, grew up in Australia. He moved to the Czech Republic in 2007, joining HC Vitkovice. In 2011, he became the first Australian to play for a professional senior team in Europe. Also was the youngest player in the Czech league at that time. In 2013, he actually played a full season in the American Hockey League with the Hershey Bears a full year before being drafted into the National Hockey League. Based on his season in the American League, he was drafted in the third round by the Washington Capitals in the 2014 NHL draft. Current St. Louis Blue forward, Nathan Stormy Walker. (laughs) (laughs) How's that, buddy? That was good. That was really good. Thank you very much. Awesome. It's great to have you with us today. Um, Since uh, we talked about you coming on, I've been really excited to tell everybody your story. So um, let's start with how you got from Wales to Australia to the Czech Republic. Why don't we start there first? Um. I think uh, I think my parents actually went to Australia when they were younger um, for a holiday, and I think they just ended up liking it so much that they you know they wanted that kind of lifestyle for my brother and I. Um, and then when I was obviously born in, in Wales, and then when I was two, uh, we all moved down to down to Australia then. Um, and yeah, we, we didn't really pick up hockey right away. You know, I I kind of picked it up as I was five or six or so. Um, but yeah, we started playing inline hockey first there and then kind of transitioned to ice, um, a few years later. Why don't you tell us about ice hockey in Australia, what it's like, how many arenas there are, how many people are playing? Yeah, I think, I think they got about 30 rinks now, which is, um, pretty good. I think when I first started out, there was, there was only 20 or so. So I think the, you know, I think the, the, you know, the more rinks we can get, the better, but, um, you know, it's definitely a slowly growing sport. Um, you know, it's obviously a lot easier to go go and get a rugby ball and a pair of boots and kind of kick the ball around instead of trying to find some skates and ice rink to practice on. Um, but yeah, no, the hockey community down there is pretty. It's pretty small, but it's definitely uh, definitely a proud one. So, how did you do it? How did you pick up hockey? How did you uh, get all your equipment? What was that whole process like? Um, I, I don't really know. It just kind of just kind of clicked. Um, we started playing off inline hockey first, which I think was a lot cheaper than ice hockey at the time. Um, and we had a rink that was like 10 minutes away from us. So we just started playing there. And then uh, the closest ice, ice rink was about 45 minutes away. So we checked out a, a D-League one Sunday morning and we kind of got hooked on it then. Um, so my brother and I decided to you know try ice hockey as well as inline hockey. And um, it just kind of came to thing. And Inline hockey kind of fizzled out, and then ice hockey kind of took, you know, took over, took over the main role there. And what's the uh, pro league like in Australia? It's, uh, I mean, it's obviously not up to the standard of you know um, American leagues nor uh, uh, European leagues. Um, 
I think it's just tough, you know, given given the hours that you have ice and the amount of games that you get to play. You know, it's not it's not anywhere near the the competitive level like it is over here or anything like that. But um, you know, everyone still works works their nuts off. It's you know, I go and skate with them when I'm back home in the summertime, and you see guys laying out blocking shots in practice, and they got to wake <laughs> up at five in the morning to go to go to work, and you know, with their, with their proper job that actually pays the bills, not not hockey. So it's you know, I got I got so much time and so much respect for everyone who plays hockey back home, and the way that they play. You know, they play like like they are playing for the Stanley Cup, and it's you know, I think when I go home, it kind of humbles me a little bit to see how much people back home actually love the sport. I I, right. I got to ask. So you said the closest rink is forty minutes away. I guess that makes practices and games pretty difficult. Or were you playing were you playing ice hockey there? Like, was your dad driving you forty minutes to practice? Well, that, yeah, so that was the that was the closest rink. Um, the rink that we actually played at was an hour and a half away. Oh, okay. yeah. Wow. Um, we had uh, my brother and I had a lot of friends that kind of through the inline hockey world transitioned over ice hockey, but they were playing for that team. So, um, you know, my parents were like, well, listen, if you want to play with your buddies, you know, it's just it's going to have to be an hour and a half drive. So, um, you know, Thursday night I was I was 10, 12 years old and. Thursday night we'd be traveling and it'd be an hour and a half there and my mom and dad would take me or um, another parents, another not a friend of mine's parents would take us out. Um, I mean, we, we wouldn't get back until midnight and then you'd be up at six in the morning for school the next day. So um, it was a bit of a grind, but it was, uh, you know, it was definitely well worth it in the end. So how did you make it from Australia to Czech Republic? Um, we had a Slovakian coach. Uh, it was, I would have been under... Would have been under 11s, under 13s maybe. And he, he kind of came up to me and, and said, listen, if you want to play hockey as a job when you're older, um, you have to leave Australia now. You have to go over there while you're still in the developing phase, um, you know, of learning the, the basic skills, I guess, if you will. Um, but you got to leave now and then go over and kind of see what you got against kids that are your age, um, you know, in, in a hockey, hockey-renowned country. So uh, he set up a trial with me for one week. And then after that week, uh, you know, I, I ended up making a team, which was – which is pretty sweet. And how old were you? I was 13 then. And did anybody go with you to Czech Republic or were you on your um, own? Just my mom came with me for the first week and then uh, she left. I was with a Billet family, um, but they, uh, they obviously didn't speak any English and I didn't speak any Czech. So it was, uh, it was pretty tough. You know, it was a huge culture shock, like just from everything, from the way that you would, you know, go to school or make food and talk to people and everything like that. It was, it was definitely, um, definitely climate too. It'd be colder, wouldn't it? It was way colder. Yeah, there was no yeah. beaches too in the middle of Europe. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so I, I, okay. So like the thing about, I remember about being 11, 12 years old is being awkward and uncomfortable and didn't have a lot of confidence. And I, you know, I really wanted girls to notice me. That was about it. That's all I kind of really, my world revolved around. I cannot imagine leaving home, leaving the continent, going to a different hemisphere and doing what you did. Did you, did, did you have to learn Czech? Did you pick it up quickly? How did you fit it in school? Like, I want to know everything. Um, yeah, I mean, I picked up Czech, I think, fairly quickly. Um, I, I did some private lessons on the side, too, to kind of speed that up. But I think just speaking Czech in the locker room, kind of hearing that. Um, I would watch movies with, like, subtitles, so I could kind of learn it that way as well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I just had to kind of learn everything and, um, you know, go from there. Obviously, I had a lot of help with the, the Billet family that I live with and, there was a couple of English speaking uh, parents on the team too who would kind of help me out and take me in for dinner and, and stuff like that. So it wasn't, I guess I was kind of making out a little bit worse than it was. It wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't that bad, but it was still, it was still pretty tough. 
It's it's bold. I that's that's really bold for an 11, 12 year old. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And what, what a lot of people don't know is, is, you know, I was working in Czech Republic, uh, recruiting a lot in the years that Nathan was there as a, as a, you know, 14, 15, 16 year old. And you weren't just a good player back in Czech Republic at that time. You're one of the top point producers on every team and every league you played in all the way up the line in Czech Republic. Yeah. Um, I think, I think my first year I was, I was trying out for the under, uh, would have been the under 15s uh, team or something like that. And then I ended up playing my first game with the under 18s team and uh, ended up scoring a hat trick in that first game. And then I kind of stuck with them for the rest of the year. And as, uh, as I was there year by year, I was playing up a division and, um, you know, like you said, getting the, getting the points kind of, you know, the points were coming with that too. And um, eventually ended up playing in the, in the men's team. There. Wow. Yeah. And when you played with the men's team, uh, you became the first Australian to play uh, in, in like the men's senior league anywhere in Europe. Uh, and you were also at the time, the youngest player uh, including all checks to play a game in the league that year. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, um, it was pretty cool. Cause I think at that time, you know, I was only 17 or so, but we had a, I think I was a 45 year old on the team and it was kind of, kind of <laughs> like cool to step back and see like the old school, the old school players kind of play. You know, it was really, um, that was really, you know, it was, it was really unique and really cool to see. Was there a physical challenge there too? Because, you know, ultimately you just said 45 year olds, you're playing against grown men and you're not a full grown man yourself. Was there, you know, was it different taking a hit? Was it, you know, you were focusing on different things than you, than you had before. How was that? Yeah, it was, it was definitely challenging. Um, I mean, I was playing in the juniors, which was like under 20, I think it was under 22s or under 23s. So it was still a big difference though, right? Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't overly big. I think the biggest thing was just the the hockey sense of everyone. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously those are those a lot of adjusting to do, but uh, it was it was great. I mean, they helped me so much. Like the guys on that team were so good to me, and um, you know they helped me with a lot of a lot of a lot of things along the way too. Wow. So you made your way from uh, Czech Republic to North America. Uh, you want to talk about that because you ended up, uh, I believe, playing a year in the USHL. And, uh, and things kind of took off from there on, on this side of the pond. Uh, you want to tell us about that? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I had, had a bit of a slow start in check. Um, and I think it was around, around the new year, I just decided, you know, I think I needed a bit of a change and, um, you know, went over to the USHL and played the rest of the year there. And yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, you know, I think I ended up close to a point of game and, um, it was kind of nice to get my foot in the door over, over in North America and, um, you know, kind of get my, my face shown off that way. Uh, but it was great. I mean, get, getting adapted to the North American style of hockey and, and all that kind of good stuff was, was great. Right. Now, you have a pretty interesting story about how you ended up playing with the Hershey Bears in the American Hockey League. You want to tell everybody that story? Yeah. Um, ended up going to Washington Capitals camp, and I think there must have been an injury in, uh, in, in one of the games or practice, and they ended up bumping me up to a – a second line with Troy Brower, Brower and uh, Chandler Stevenson, I believe, and um, just had a just had a, a pretty decent game, and then ended up playing again the next night. Um, and ended up having a pretty good camp to finish with, and I think 
I believe they wanted to sign me to an NHL deal, but they couldn't because I didn't pass through all the years in my draft. Um, so they ended up signing me to an AHL deal. And then uh, I, did, I played in the farm team before they eventually ended up drafting me, you know, the year after. Yeah. Now we weren't working together at the time. Full disclosure, um, I've been representing you for many years, but I did not represent you back then. And this, the story that I heard was that you had this amazing training camp in Washington as on a, on a ATO on an amateur tryout agreement. And they wanted to sign you to a contract. And there may have even been a time when there was an agreement and the capitals didn't realize that you were not eligible to sign an NHL contract at the time they wanted you to. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. That's, yeah, that was it. I think there was, you know, it was pretty much not all said and done, but you know, from, from my understanding is that they wanted to, and we just couldn't because it was part of the, the rules. <laughs> right. So they have to draft you the following year. I'm assuming then. Yes. Yeah. Right. I, I guess you have to pass through all the years in your draft before you can Okay. Sign an NHL deal if you're European or something like that. I don't know, some crazy rules. Right. So we started working together when you were playing in Hershey. Yeah. And 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 I remember during the year getting calls from the Capitals. Uh, obviously, you're playing with their farm team. You're 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 playing at a real high level, and any other team in the league could have snagged you away from Washington by drafting you in the next NHL draft. So I was getting calls from Washington on a, on a pretty regular basis. And it was like, any, any teams call you lately on Nathan? Do you, <laughs> you think anybody is going to snag him early before us? And, uh, and there was an ongoing dialogue. And I remember the, uh, the, the, the night before the draft, speaking with some of the people in Washington and saying, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You guys, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of talk about Nathan and, uh, and, and it was just kind of funny and uh, appropriate because you earned it all um, that they uh, drafted you in the third round, which is a fairly high round to be drafted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, that was great too, to, to, you know, obviously that was one of the goals that I wanted to take off in my, hockey career was to get drafted. And, um, that was, that was unreal. I remember you, uh, I remember you actually texting me then as well. And where, where we live back home, I didn't have great service. So I only, I had my phone up in the corner of the room to get service. And I saw my phone light up and, you know, um, I saw your name pop up there and figured that that was the case that I got drafted. And it was, uh, you know, it was a pretty special moment. So you were at um, home in Australia when you found out. Yeah. Yeah. How did you celebrate? Uh, we're just, we're just watching TV. It was like 3am in the morning. So it wasn't, uh, wasn't too much going on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I finally got through to you and I heard the celebrating in the background, even when we were talking. Yeah. There, wasn't too, there was only, there was only four of us, I think four or five of us. So it wasn't, wasn't too much going on. <laughs> <laughs> what do you, what do your parents say to something like that? Obviously they could have never envisioned this. Um, uh, do you remember what your parents said? Do you remember how they felt about all this? Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I can't remember what they said, but I'm sure they were, you know, obviously did the whole, I'm proud of you mm -hmm. all, um, you know, the, the 
cliche kind of kind of spiel, I guess. But um, no, it was it was a good fun for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so you were that was a, a a series of firsts, and that way that made you the first Australian to be drafted by a National Hockey League team. And let's jump to you playing your first NHL game with the Washington Capitals. What do you remember about that? That that was crazy. Um, I mean, I made the team out of camp too, which was which was cool. And then the whole lead up to the first game, you know, walking down the red carpet, seeing all the fans uh, in front of the building, um, you know, getting your name called out to skate on the blue line with everyone, and um, you know, I had my family there as well, and it was it was crazy. Like that whole that whole experience, I don't think I'll ever forget. But it was it was such an incredible experience. Yeah. And what do you remember most about the game? Yeah, I ended up having a puck go off my butt, which was, uh, which was <laughs> <laughs> off your off your butt into the net. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want to, uh, you know, you when you think of your first goal, you think, oh, coming down the wing, maybe a nice shot. But um, no, it was good. I mean, obviously, you take you take any goal you can in the NHL, and um, you know, for that to be my first one, it was definitely a special one and one that I, uh, I definitely won't forget. Yeah. So, so that made you the first Australian to play in an NHL game. And the first Australian to score an NHL goal. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So talk to us a little bit about um, some of the challenges you've had and some of the things that have gone on from that first game in Washington uh, to where you are right now. Um, you know, I think, I think a big thing for me in the NHL level was consistency, you know, trying to find that, that game that I needed to play um, on a nightly basis. I think that was the hardest thing for me. And I think, um, as I've gotten older and the years have kind of strung together, I think I've slowly started to find that now. Um, I think that was that was just the biggest thing, I think, compared to playing the NHL and NHL is being able to play that same game night in, night out. Um, you know, obviously the AHL is, it isn't the NHL, so you can kind of, I'm not going to say get away with not having your best game, but it's a little less noticeable, I guess, if you will. Um, but obviously uh, up in the NHL, you know, you need to be at your best 100% of the time and, um, you know, like I said, to kind of have that consistency every game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You, you know, in talking to some of your teammates in Washington, uh, everyone loved you. And on every team you've played on, uh, talking to teammates, I, I mean, you're the life of the room <laughs> and you're, you bring great energy to wherever you go. Um do you think that comes naturally to you? Yeah, hundred um, percent. I don't think it's it's definitely not something that I put on or anything like that. I think it's you know when I you know when I come into a room and I see a couple of guys, you know, I'm not going to just be like hi and kind of walk past me and I'll either be cracking a joke or doing something silly or whatever, having having a good time with it. I mean, you know, it's you're only going to be playing hockey for so long and you don't want to look back and think shit. You know, maybe I should have made a bit more fun out of it and had fun with it. And, enjoyed it a little more, you know, I don't want to be doing that. So I'm trying to, trying to enjoy every single day and have fun with it all. And, um, you know, not, not be goofy, but kind of be goofy at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> what are some of the uh, stories that, uh, that, you know, I always ask uh, a player when we get together, tell me about some of the things that have happened that, you know, one day you're going to sit there and tell your kids about. Um. I mean, I think obviously that Stanley Cup run with Washington. I know I, 
I didn't play a whole lot, but I think just to be around that atmosphere, the room and the energy of the city, um, you know, that was obviously pretty special. And then being able to, you know, lift, lift the cup over my head, I think was, was pretty, pretty special. And, um, you know, I think I'll definitely be telling my kids about that one day. And obviously I think just, just the life day in, day out of, you know, being an NHL player, I think's, um, you know, pretty special in itself. You know, the fact that we get to do what we do for a living and, um, you know, have fun with it at the same time, I think's, I think's really special. You've, you've played on some teams with some absolutely legendary names. So, you know, in Washington, you know, Backstrom Ovechkin, uh, in, in Edmonton, you know, uh, McDavid Dreisaitl, and now in St. Louis, you're playing with guys like Ryan O'Reilly and, uh, just unbelievably strong leaders and big time performers. What have you learned from, from players like that, who are, you know, the, the ones that you see on the jerseys and the ones that you see, you know, lifted to the rafters, uh, what have been your big takeaways? Um, I think, I think they all have one thing in common. It's, it's the, the work that they put in, um, mm. you know, they, they go to the rink and they go to the rink for, to put the work boots on. And then that's it. It's, I have noticed that as I've slowly gotten older too, is, is that guys, guys that play good and play good consistently to go to the rink, do their job. And that's it. You know, there's no, there's no bitching. There's nothing going on like that. It's, they all just work their work their ass off, and I think as a guy that plays, you know, that has played predominantly in the HL, and when I do get called up, and you see guys like that who have played 700, 800, 1,000 games, you know, 1,100, 1,200 games, and they're still going to the rink after all those games and still putting in the same amount of work as they did when they first came to the league. I think when I see that, it's like, wow, that's you know, that's that, that's that's how you'd be a, a true pro, and um, you know, that's how they're, they're getting the names put up in the rafters and. Um, you know, winning Con Smice, winning the Cups, you know, winning the Outrush Trophy. I think that's, I think that's a huge thing for me to see that. Yeah. Now let's talk a little bit about your family, because I know you're a very dedicated family man. You <laughs> want to tell us a little bit about your personal life away from the rink? Yeah. Um, you know, I got, I got a beautiful wife, Taylor, um, beautiful little daughter, Winter, and we're expecting a little baby boy, um, you know, in the next four weeks or so, yeah. four or five weeks. Um but yeah, no, we got a we got a little family growing back home, and um, we know we're looking for a house now, kind of in our neighborhood as well. So it's uh, you know slowly growing, and it's you know it's it's great. I um, I love being around the family, you know, especially the extended family too. When we have them over for the barbecue and whatnot, it's um, it's great. You know, it's it's really good. And how how did you and Taylor meet? Um, so her her cousin was my next door neighbor. Um, so we, you know, she would, she would obviously go over and hang out with her cousin and I would see her every now and then. And, um, I played rugby with a lot of her school friends as well. So we would kind of see each other that way too. And then eventually just led to, you know, going out on a, on a date and kind of hanging out that way. <laughs> How do you, um, and Alan, you'd know this from having two kids. I have a little girl. One was enough for me. I don't know how you guys went in for seconds, but um, uh, the, the thing that got me, guys, the thing that, that made it hard for me was the sleep thing. In the first six months when they don't sleep, how do you manage playing professional hockey and having a kid that's up every two to three hours? Uh, I, I mean, I think... I <laughs> that's think quite the reaction right there. <laughs> my, my wife obviously does a lot of stuff. I mean, Taylor was... Um, you know, whenever it was a night before a game or a game day or anything like that, it's, you know, she does everything. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll obviously tip my hat to that because I don't know how she does it. It's, it's crazy. Like, uh, during the middle of the week, if we had no game, I'd be waking up with the, with the little one and, 
it'd only be 30 minutes, 40 minutes, and I'd be absolutely juiced. I'd be so tired. And so I, you know, hats off to all the all the women that do that. It's crazy. I don't uh, I don't know how they do it, but it's it's great when they do. <laughs> it's not just that, but the travel oh, that yeah. a lot of the wives uh, undertake with young kids, yeah. without with, with, without their husbands with them, it, it's just unbelievable thinking of them, you know, by themselves with the kids navigating uh, uh, luggage, uh, um, all kinds of things through airports, long flights, um, you know, all by themselves with newborns or 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 six month olds, it's it's not an easy thing to do. No, you're right. I mean, uh, when when Taylor came out with Winter, and Winter's obviously, I think she's got my energy and my kind of my kind of personality. So she's into everything. You know, she's curious. She's running around and trying to control her in the airport when you got to sit at the gate and wait for your flight or, or be on an aer- airplane for 15 hours. Definitely wasn't easy. I remember Tay calling me and just being like. You better make it worth it. Us coming over, this is crazy. So, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how she's going to do it with two kids. Um, I don't know if I'll be able to get away from flying flying by myself with that one. But uh, she's going to be shorthanded the whole What's time. That? She'll be shorthanded the whole time. Oh, I I, I don't know how she's going to do it. But um, no, that's definitely a big thing too. I think the you know the the wives that travel with the kids is. I don't know how they do it, but they somehow managed to do it and, and get away with it. It's it's crazy because we only flew we flew from St. Louis to uh, Hartford with just winter, and that was me and me and Taylor as well. And I I looked at Tay saying I don't know how you did this by yourself. She'd be up and down the plane. She's running up and down the aisles. It was like this. She's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> but it um, no, it's all good. The work they put in is incredible. It is it's truly uh, it's truly amazing. Awesome. Yeah, and now you're in the lineup every night with St. Louis, and uh, you had a hat trick this year. Why don't you tell us about that game? Yeah, that uh, that was that was that was pretty special too. I remember getting called up. Uh, it was during the COVID uh, when the COVID kind of hit us again. So they were, you know, they were down a few bodies, and I ended ended up getting the call up. And I just remember playing that game, and that first puck when it went in, I was like, oh, that's unreal. You know, I get a goal. Uh, you know, get get one goal. That's nice. And then the next one went, and I was like, "Holy shit, that's two goals right now!" And then <laughs> thinking to myself, "That was two goals in the first period, so maybe I got a chance to get a hat trick here." And uh, I think I honestly could have had four or five goals that game. It was kind of the puck was just kind of finding my stick. But um, no, that was definitely a special, uh, a special moment too. Yeah, there was a video uh, that the Blues posted after the game with uh, Mr. Stillman, the owner of the Blues coming into the room to congratulate you personally on the uh, hat trick. Yeah, no, he did come in. Yeah, that was, uh, that was really nice. That was a really nice gesture for him to come in. And, um, you know, I'll, ne- I'll never forget that too. That was, uh, that was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, you recently scored a goal. I think it was last week you scored and, uh, and I was following, I had like four or five games on uh, at the same time on different screens and I watched the goal, but pretty soon after the game, I got a text message from David Perra saying, uh, what a goal by Nate. And it was a group uh, text with uh, Nate on it as well. And, uh, and, 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 and Nathan wrote back, I was waiting for the text from Walsh. <laughs> well, we, said, we said before the game, we said, if you score on that Walsh, you'll probably get a text off Walsh. So then after the game, we're stretching and he said, uh, you know, has Walsh texted you yet? I said, no, nah, nothing yet. 
So that's when he that's when he sent you the message. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, Nathan David Perron seems like a fun guy. Like we had him on the show to launch the show. It was our first episode. Yeah. Um, he seems like a very quietly funny person. What's he like as a teammate? He's great. Um, you know, I, I go back to you see guys who have played so many games in the league because they go to the rink and they work hard. Um, you know, I think he, he, he's the epitome of that. And it's like I said before, for a guy like me to come in and see a guy who's played so many games to still be working that hard. It's, it's unreal. And then, uh, you know, obviously he's, he's got great character, too. He's, he's a great teammate. Um, he's, he's loads of fun to be around. He, he loves to have a good joke here and there as well. So it's uh, no, he's a he's, he's a really good teammate for sure. That's cool. What's the what's the best part to you of playing in the NHL? What's the thing you enjoy most? Uh, I don't think there's one thing. I think it's I think it's just everything. Um, you know, I think the fact that this is this is my dream to play in NHL, and right now I'm doing it, and it's that's obviously one of them. And I, you know, you get all the the nice little perks, I guess, that come with it as well. But I think just being able to you know live out your dream and and play you know in the in the best league in the world is definitely you know, for, for me anyway, is the top, the top of that list. And staring down the playoffs too. I mean, you got, you guys have got a great team. Uh, there's a lot to be excited about. Do you allow yourself to think about, I mean, obviously the next 10 games are the next 10 games and then it's the playoffs. Do you allow yourself to think about the beginning of May at all? Or is it just one game at a time, one game at a time? Uh, for me personally, it's just, it's just one game at a time. You know, obviously I think being a guy that, is getting called up and, and sent down and called up. Um, you know, you, you don't want to look kind of too far into that. So I've, you know, I've always kind of taken it one game at a time and I think I will for the rest of my career. And, um, but obviously, you know, you, you do see the schedule and you see the games are coming down and then it's, then it's the fun time of the year. It's when all the games really, really do start to matter. And, um, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to, it, you know, as much as everyone else is looking forward to it, but it's, it's going to be a great, uh, you know, a great time. And I'm really looking forward to it as well. Wow. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your um, off-season training? Because I know you to be a guy who comes into training camp every year in unbelievable shape. Uh, and that's the feedback I've gotten from uh, NHL teams since we started working together. What, what is your training regimen like? Um, what are some of the things you do that might be a little bit different than everybody else? Um. I'd like to say that I wrestle crocodiles and swim for sharks. But that's, not really <laughs> that's what I was looking for. <laughs> that's the kind of thing that sells a podcast episode. Just so you know. Yeah. I wish, I wish I could wrestle crocodiles. That'd be unreal. <laughs> uh, There's always time. There's always time. <laughs> maybe one day, maybe yeah. I'll have to get a photo, maybe an inflatable one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great idea. <laughs> um, no, it just kind of starts off pretty slow the first few weeks. Um, you know, I usually give myself a couple of weeks to kind of wind down from the season and not really do much and, you know, clear my head mentally and, you know, kind of get the body right, um, you know, where they got little minor aches and pains, kind of let those things go away before you start to ramp it up again. But it starts, you know, pretty slowly, just try to build those base muscles. And then um, I do, I try to do a lot of explosive work, um, whether it's jumping or moving weight fast. And um, there's nothing really... Nothing really too crazy about it. Um, I've kind of had the same program for a few years now, so I kind of just follow that. And um, obviously, I think as I get older, I might have to watch what I eat and stay away from a, a couple of candies here and there. But um, Ooh, who needs yeah, that? Yeah, that's that, that's the shitty part about it. But yeah. it's all right. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, no, other than that, it's, it's probably a lot of explosive work. And obviously I think, cause I'm not uh, overly big on the ice, you know, I need to make sure I got those first couple steps quickly. And um, you know, I, I, I don't skate a whole lot either, which I think is good. Um, you know, kind of, like I said, clear my mind away from the hockey side of things for a bit. And then uh, once it's time to ramp things back up, then I start getting on the ice a bit more. Now you, uh, uh, I believe it was last off season or maybe the off season before you were uh, building your house with a, with your dad. Yeah, we actually, so we actually built a gym uh, in the back of my in-laws house in the backyard. They had all these beautiful trees, palm trees, um, you know, these native Australian trees that lo- looked really nice. So we ended up chopping all those trees down at <laughs> my in-laws place um, and put this big metal shed on there. It looks beautiful. But um, no, I ended up with, uh, with COVID back home. I couldn't, I was going to public gyms before that. And then when COVID hit, they obviously shut down all the gyms. Um, so I couldn't, I couldn't really work out and do my workouts I needed to do. So I just said to my dad, why don't we just build a gym? So we ended up getting all this material in and, uh, my dad and I, with the help of some of my building buddies back home, ended up building this gym. And, um, you know, that's where I've been working out ever since. That's incredible. So, so where did you get, um, where'd you get the gym equipment? You just went and bought it all and, uh, stacked it in there. What do you have in there? I, I got everything. I got treadmills, bikes, um, assault bikes, sweat racks, uh, sled. Um, I pretty much got everything that a full athlete gym would want. Um, obviously it's not super big um but it's just big enough mm-hmm. um i found a lot of stuff on facebook marketplace believe it or not all the weights <laughs> and everything <laughs> amazing that's so good <laughs> i mean you know i don't need brand new i don't need any brand new stuff i just needed just needed the basics and everything but um i ended up getting a treadmill as well which uh which was good i think i needed one of those in there but um yeah no mostly facebook marketplace had a uh one of my good friends works for a gym flooring company too so got a got a good price and all that's little mismatched colors, but, uh, does the job. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, it's not the aesthetics, right? It's all about the function. No, exactly. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. And for anybody raised, uh, in Australia, you have to ask about the beaches. Um, were you a bit of a beach bum growing up? Did you spend a lot of time out there? Um, I think so. Yeah. When we're younger, we, you know, especially in the summer months, um, you know, my dad would take us out on a boat and we go wakeboarding for a bit after school and, um, you know, the sun doesn't set for eight thirty, nine o'clock or so. Um, so we'd be on the boat for a couple hours, wakeboarding with my brother and my dad. And uh, on the weekends, I go with my school buddies and hockey friends. We go down to the beach for a few hours and crash on the waves there. And, um, no, that was great. That's probably the big thing that I do miss about going home. Cause when I'm home, obviously it's winter time. So it's a little bit chillier, but, um, I mean, just the being able to walk with a coffee in your hand and listen to the waves crash and smell that salty air. I think it's, there's something about it. it's it's relaxing and it's it's you know there's something about it I think that kind of just mellows you out and chills you. It's mm-hmm. um, you know it's really good it's really good back on that. I have a question about the wakeboarding. Yeah. For a second, and the reason I have a question about the wakeboarding is, I if if Australia is anything like Florida is, there's crocs everywhere in fresh water. Uh, is that? true uh in australia is that true where you wakeboard because i know what they'll do is they'll run a boat up and down until every everything sort of gets out of the way and they'll like my dad water skied in florida uh you know where their their crocs are there uh or they in that case it's the gators is that the case for you as well like do you have to 
kind of watch out for that or it, was it gator free? <laughs> um, where we kind of live, it's, it's gator free. Um, if you were to go up north to Australia, that's kind of where the crocodiles uh, hang out. Um, but there was, there was a bull shark once in the river where we would wakeboard. Um, that was pretty scary to hear because obviously they, uh, they don't, they don't really care who you are. They'll take a nibble out of you and just kind of keep eating yourself. hundred <laughs> percent. Um, yeah, no, that was, that was scary when I heard that, but, uh, we never encountered anything. If anything, it was like jelly blubbers, like little jellyfish, mm-hmm. um, or stingrays kind of, they were, but they wouldn't really do much. You, you know, you kind of step on a stingray, they kind of swim away. Nothing, no big ones or anything like that, but, uh. Never encountered any crocs or sharks. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I remember I said, my dad took video doing this. I, I had to ask you because I'm like, this is crazy. I would never do that. But uh, yeah, no, yeah. never. We haven't encountered anything. Thank, uh, thank goodness for that. I, yeah. I also want to say that you both, you know, Alan lives in LA. Uh, Nathan, you're in Australia. And as a Canadian, it's so, it's so, I'm so jealous to hear that people can go swimming after school. Or go, you know, do water sports after school. That's not something that, you know, in the wintertime doesn't happen here. Yeah, true. I mean, you if you go down to the beach in summertime, it's the beaches are packed. They're loaded with surfers, bodyboarders, just beachgoers. It's it's crazy. I um, I got a funny story about me surfing. So I my brother goes out surfing with his buddy and, and I'll tag along every time I'm home as well. And I I asked Taylor to come one day. I was like, Oh, do you want to come? watch a surf this one afternoon. So she, you know, she packs up a little picnic box, sits down, watches a surf. And because of the amount of surfers, it's hard to get on the waves. So I, I paddle out there and I sit out the back waiting for the waves to come. I don't catch a wave for two hours. I just sit out there, sit out there, talk to everyone that comes by. And it's, it's been two hours, haven't caught in a wave yet. Just still chilling out there, end up paddling back in, don't even catch a wave in, end up paddling in, go up to my wife and say, all right, well, I'm good to go. She goes, I've been watching you for two hours. You've done nothing. You just sat and talked to everyone for two hours and then came in. It's like, well, that's what I do. I don't, I don't actually, you thought I actually surf? No, I just go out there, chill out and come back. <laughs> <laughs> you just said, you idiot. <laughs> Knowing Taylor, she would have sent you back out there to actually surf before letting you get out of the water. Yeah, I'm surprised she did. I think she was cold at that point. That's probably why she wanted to go home. But uh, <laughs> to this day, she's never come back and watched me surf. <laughs> <laughs> what a shock. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Well, um, you've got uh, about 10 games left in the season, uh, heading into the playoffs. Uh, you're in the lineup every night. Um, what do you think right now going into the last uh, 10 games of the season? Why don't you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously I think personally, I, w- I want to fine tune some things, um, you know, before I get into that playoff run. And I think as a team, um, you know, you want to be playing your best hockey going into playoffs. You don't want to have to try and find your best game uh, during the playoffs. So I think those last 10 games are obviously going to be important. I think we're in a race with Minnesota right now for second, um, you know, which would be a huge high minus advantage. So, um, you know, I think we want to find our best game heading into, you know, game one of the, the playoffs here. And uh, players have been calling you Stormy. That's sort of a nickname that has uh, uh, been attached to you for a while. Where does that come from? Uh, so when when we were playing inline hockey and my brother was playing, I had those, I would keep my shoes on and strap them into these plastic skates. <laughs> right. And I'd be skating around and they would just make such a ruckus. And I'd be, I'd be breaking windows and just breaking, pushing over trash cans, just pretending like I'm playing hockey out there by myself. 
Um, and kind of everywhere I went, I kind of left like a, like a storm kind of went through and kind of ruined everything. Um, <laughs> so I think that's kind of where that originated from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because if I have a teammate of yours reaching out to me about anything, it's always, uh, Hey, did you talk to Stormy about this? Or did you ask Stormy about that? Uh, <laughs> it seems to have been the name that has uh, attached to you all these years. Yeah, no, it definitely has. I think, um, especially back home in Australia, it's, I think a lot of people know my name now, but when I was a little younger, they didn't really know my first name. It was just Stormy. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't really know my, my first name at all. And that was kind of funny. But I think, uh, I think most people kind of know, know my first and last name now. I think uh, they figured it out. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. So uh, why don't you tell the story about how we got together? Um, yeah, because we were the first year in Hershey was when we started talking. Is that right? Right. And then, uh, yeah, I just, I just remember us kind of chatting away and then that was pretty much it. <laughs> Alan, is there is there another part of this story that we should <laughs> tell? Sorry, am I missing something? <laughs> no, no, no. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, great. <laughs> oh, I should I should probably know, shouldn't I? <laughs> well, um, you were working with an agent who I think was getting out of the business. That's right. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Right. And, and he was friends with um, our partners in the agent business in Czech Republic. Yeah. And they called me one day and said, uh, do you know Nathan Walker in Hershey? And I said, yeah, of course I do. And they said, would you like to work with him? I said, absolutely. <clears throat> so they passed your number on to me. And then I reached out to you and that's how we started talking. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I, sh I should have. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was so memorable. That that I... <laughs> my bad. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> no, that's I, awesome. I mean, that was good. I do remember that now. <laughs> but I'm, I'm honored to refresh your recollection. <laughs> Alan, it clearly meant a lot to him. It obviously <laughs> did. It's ingrained in his memory. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Did we, we didn't have going out for dinner, did we? <laughs> uh, no, I think we started working together about halfway through your year in, uh, in Hershey. Yeah, we did. Um, which yeah. ended up being the year that you got drafted. So that would have been 2014. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 yeah no, that's right. Yeah. yeah. No, good stuff. Yeah. Now, I know that uh, you have a very close relationship with your older brother. You've uh, talked about him a little bit here. Why don't you talk uh, a little bit about your relationship with him and, uh, and, and what he means to you and the influence he's had over your life? Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's, you know, he's my best friend. It's, you know, we've been together. Well, I guess I've been with him ever since I was born. He hasn't been with me when he was born. <laughs> uh, no, we were always, uh, we were always doing stuff together. I mean, there's a big age gap. It's seven or eight years. Um, so you kind of think, you know, when the age gap's that big, it's, they mightn't be as close. Um, but I mean, we were doing everything together, whether it was hockey stuff, um, you know, just kind of hanging out. We were, you know, we're super close and, 
I remember we would set up a little rink in our garage back home and it was, it was one-on-one game on. I remember uh, I tried to go through his legs and pull my stick over but because I was way shorter than him at that time. My stick had to go so high up and I ended up catching him right in the middle of the head and just split him open and he still got the scar to this day. Um, but no, we would, uh, we would do everything together and we obviously would push each other and um, his – I think his work ethic, he, he played, um, you know, pretty high level too. And he ended up playing in high school hockey in Minnesota as well. Um, and his work ethics, you know, are through the charts, whether it's doing his job now that he's doing or, or when he was playing hockey, you know, he always wanted to be the guy that was working the hardest. And I think that kind of paid off a little bit with me because I've always kind of had that mindset too that, you know, if things aren't going well, it's not the end of the world. But if you're not working hard, then that's probably the reason why they're not going well. Um, right. but if you can always look at yourself in the mirror and said that you worked hard, you know, I think you can sleep a lot easier at night. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, listen, you've been incredibly generous with your time. Uh, you were with the blues, you flew into Boston and, uh, headed to the hotel and raced upstairs to, uh, record this with us today and really appreciate you making it a priority and jumping on when you did. Um, it's probably time for dinner right now. You probably got some plans with some of the boys. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for your time. And it's always uh, awesome to talk to you. And it's awesome to have you on the show. Yeah, not a problem at all. Thank you very much for, uh, for having me. No, it's been great. It's been good, uh, good fun. It's great to meet you. My favorite story was uh, the one where you and Alan met. I loved it. It was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we got to come up. We got to come up with a better story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we went somewhere cool or something like that. Next time it'll be, it'll definitely be better. <laughs> <laughs>